What do you think when you hear the phrase eating local? Do you envision purchasing your ingredients at the farmer's market, eating only things that were grown within a hundred miles of your home? Or do you picture a table set with takeout from the small restaurant down the road? Do your eyes fill with dollar signs, imagining just how expensive local eating can be? Or do you think about foraging and trading, living off the land around you instead of spending money at the store? This phrase, eating local, can mean a variety of things. Today, we're going to dig into a few different forms that it can take and reflect on what value it might bring to our lives. Welcome to Kitchen Meditations, a weekly podcast from the Edible Theology Project, where we examine the ways that God meets us in the kitchen and at the table. I'm your host, Kendall Vanderslice. If you are hungry for a taste of God's hope and healing in the mundane tasks of your everyday life, then you have come to the right place. May these meditations bring you a bit of grounding as you prepare to eat today and every day. Kitchen Meditations is made possible by a generous community of donors. We here at the Edible Theology Project want to thank all of you for your support of our work. If you haven't given to our fundraiser yet, we would love you to consider joining us in bridging the communion table and the kitchen table with a one-time or monthly tax-deductible donation. To learn more, visit www.edibletheology.com slash fundraiser. Let's get started with a little spiritual mise en place, a prayer to orient ourselves before we begin. In the professional kitchen, mise en place is the process of preparing your workspace for the dishes you're about to make. It involves measuring your ingredients and reading your recipe all the way through so that you can ground yourself in the season and the place you are currently in. I like to think of it as a time to prepare my own mind and body as well, asking God to be present with me as I cook or as I bake. Our spiritual mise en place today is drawn from the words of the prophet Isaiah. Slow your breathing, and now as you breathe, repeat with me. Inhale. My people will live in peaceful places, and as you exhale, in undisturbed places of rest. My first fall living in Durham, North Carolina, I took communion at a local food and faith conference. As I lifted the chalice to my lips, I was surprised by the unfamiliar flavor. It's fresh-pressed muscadine juice, the pastor told me. Have you ever had muscadine grapes before? I hadn't, but I was intrigued. The next week, I drove to the local food co-op and loaded up on muscadines and scuppernogs, the grape varieties that grow best in my climate. Ever since, I look forward to the fall day when the grapes make their appearance at the store once again. I bite through the thick skin and savor the juicy flesh before spitting out a couple of seeds. Plenty of crops thrive in North Carolina in the fall. 
and all throughout the year. But nothing feels to me like a Durham September, quite like the pop of a fresh muscadine. It's a reminder that the place I live now is not any of the places that I've lived before. It's a reminder of both the limits and the gifts of the soil and climate of the place I call home. In 1971, Chef Alice Waters opened a groundbreaking new restaurant in Berkeley, California. Chez Panisse is dedicated to ingredients that are in season, acquired from local farmers committed to regenerative practices. The restaurant has long received praise for the depth of flavor in each dish, as well as its commitment to regional foods. In the early 2000s, its concept started to spread. Farm-to-table restaurants popped up all across the country, designed with a rustic aesthetic, reminiscent of an unusually clean barn, and unashamed at advertising partnerships with local farms. The local or farm-to-table food movement was a response to processed foods that began filling grocery store shelves throughout the 20th century, disconnecting American consumers from the source of their food. Through a farm aesthetic, and the names of actual farms on the menu, diners felt a deeper connection to the places that produced their foods. The restaurants tapped into a visceral desire to feel connected to the things going into our bodies. The concept suggested that local eating was the freshest, healthiest, and most ethical choice, especially in the face of climate change. 50 years after its founding, Chez Panisse remains an icon of the local food movement, charging nearly $200 per person for a single meal, not including beverages, an automatic 17% gratuity, and 10.25% tax. As much praise as the restaurant receives, it should come as no surprise it garners a hefty dose of criticism as well. A $200 dinner is far from a viable solution to changing climate patterns, nor is it an accessible solution to the God-given desire to feel connected to a place. Replicating the restaurant's ethics at home is pretty tricky too. The resources necessary to shop at a farmer's market, prepare meals entirely from scratch, and to eat solely with the seasons are out of reach for many of us. Not only are the costs high for us, many restaurants even fail to live up to the promises they make. I have worked for restaurants with incredible farm partnerships, like those at Chez Panisse, where employees are paid an unlivable wage and expected to work upwards of 40 hours of overtime per week. Far from ethical practices, if you ask me. I've also worked for restaurants who put local farms on the menu only to purchase 99.9% of their ingredients from the cheapest vendor they could find. It is not, in fact, the freshly picked baby lettuces or the pig butchered on site that sells for $200 a plate. It's the rustic aesthetic and the illusion of simplicity that it brings. It's the feeling of being rooted to the place that you're in and the connection to the wider community that is responsible for the food that you eat. As frustrated as I am by the power of this aesthetic, 
the underlying desires are actually really good. The visceral longing for grounding, for a place to call home, was given to us by God. We were created to live within the boundaries of creation, constrained by the seasons and commanded to care for the plants and trees that God made. To care for God's creation today means paying attention to changing weather patterns. It means acknowledging the impact of climate change on food production, especially for those already vulnerable to famine and drought. It means recognizing the impact of our own habits and responding to the best of our ability. But our constraints are not only seasonal. They are financial, familial, and temporal as well. If your shoulders are tightening up as you listen to this right now, I'm guessing that you are just doing the very best you can to feed the ones you love in the midst of a tight budget and a busy schedule. Take a deep breath. That is okay. In recent years, the concept of local eating has shifted, partially in response to the very critiques about cost and time. Rather than tracing back the mileage between the place where food was grown and its arrival on the plate, many consumers associate local eating with a regional economy, purchasing food from independent restaurants and cafes rather than from global or national chains. Whichever approach most fits within your perception of local eating, there are gifts and limitations that we can hold at the exact same time. When you pay attention to the foods that thrive in your area, be it the muscadines of the American Southeast, the huckleberries of the Pacific Northwest, or the cranberries of New England, you learn about the flavors of your home. It's an opportunity to connect with others who have lived in that place as well. Learning the ingredients local to your area is also an opportunity to learn the history of your region. Are the plants native to the land? Were the seeds brought by colonists in the 16th century? Or were they hidden in the pockets of those who were enslaved, who planted and harvested the crops and new soil to make a home as best they could? Learning the ingredients local to your area is an opportunity to recognize the constraints of the season and to acknowledge the changes in climate and its impact on crops too. Rather than getting caught up in the pressure to eat local as an expression of virtue, I prefer to adopt a posture of love for home and to tap into the innate desire to connect to a place. As you foster a curiosity for the place you call home, you might find yourself like me, driving to the local co-op eager to try the regional grapes. That love for a place might prompt you to consider for a moment the steps you can take to limit the emissions impact of the foods that you eat. When the foods you choose are born out of love and curiosity, rather than the desire to fit into a particular aesthetic, or to reach a level of ethical purity, then you are primed to consider the best choices you can make within the constraints you cannot control. Sometimes that might look like eating local produce 50% of the time. 
Sometimes it might mean purchasing takeout from the local chain across the street. And sometimes it might mean connecting to the many places you've called home before by purchasing ingredients that have traveled across the world, allowing your taste buds to transport you back to the tables around which you were raised. Inhale. My people will live in peaceful places. Exhale. In undisturbed places of rest. Our kitchen tip today is for those who want to begin shopping for local ingredients or cooking within the constraints of the season, but who don't quite know where to begin. A great place to start is going to your local farmer's market and scoping out what's on offer. The prices might be a good deal higher than the regular grocery store. If that's unreachable for you, don't fret. Remember, you are searching in a spirit of curiosity. The vendors should be open to your questions, so ask them about the things that they grow. Most likely, they'll be excited to introduce you to the flavors of the place you call home. Consider if there is one item you can buy from a vendor who is particularly helpful, a way of thanking them for their time. Next, plan your meals for the coming week using primarily ingredients you saw at the market. Those will be the ingredients in season. Then look for them at your regular grocery store when you do your weekly shopping. The options at the store might not come from quite as close by, but at least they are helping you get into the habit of eating with the rhythms of the year. And now to close, a prayer for local farmers. God who crafted life out of soil, you are the world's first farmer. You created the seasons, the movement of the sun. You placed boundaries on what we could eat. Then you called it good. Though we toil today in a broken world, rampant with thistles, changing weather patterns and thorns, you promise us a day when the tree of life will feed us all year round. Be with the farmers who labor today, weary and wondering if the work is really worth it. Bless the hands that give us all a taste of your delightful world. Amen. Kitchen Meditations is brought to you by the Edible Theology Project, where the communion table meets the dinner table. We encourage you to discuss this episode around the table with your spouse, small group, or friends. Need some help getting into that rhythm? Sign up for our weekly newsletter at edibletheology.com, and you'll get discussion questions and a recipe delivered straight to your inbox every week. Our intro music is by Josh Garrels. A huge thank you to my Edible Theology team who made this podcast possible, especially to our producer, Jason Rugg. We would love it if you could subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or Spotify. Then share this episode with your friends. Your help ensures that others discover this podcast too.